This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. I'm Jim Benson from Modus Cooperandi and Modus Institute. Uh, I have a crazy background in psychology and urban planning and engineering and software development. Where my passion lies is in building collaborative management systems filled with professionals who know exactly what to do and when to do it. This is the second series of interviews with Jim Benson, author of several self-improvement books, as well as teaming books. The first series was about COVID times office tips. And those episodes started at episode 100. You can find those by going to your favorite search engine and typing in Lancer Agile Thoughts Benson. The current work that I'm undertaking is based on the original idea of Modus Cooperandi, which is the, my company. And our tagline has always been performance through collaboration. Every time I've worked with a team, for as long as I can remember, I've looked at what our goals are. I've looked at what stumbling blocks we have to get to those goals. And I've looked at ways that we can truly collaborate to get the work done. So most companies and teams tend to stumble when they divide work up amongst people. So even though Agile likes to focus on the team, almost every Agile software development team I've seen, people take an individual user story and they go off to be a craftsman. And there's a million reasons why that doesn't sit well with me, but just to focus on the collaboration one, there's a reason why pair programming works. And it works because the moment that you put two more eyeballs on something while it's being created, the speed at which you create it increases and the quality of the thing that has been created also increases. You get less rework. It takes less time to do. And it feels, can feel longer because you have other conversations but the amount of typing that you're doing is drastically reduced. And I have proven this in two notable situations that involve no coding whatsoever. The first was working with researchers at the World Bank. And those researchers came into the World Bank and they were supposed to write a document called the Red Plus Report, which distributed carbon credit money to local landowners. And up until that point, this was in 2009, there was actually no mechanism <laughs> to get carbon credit money to individual landowners. And it was kind of an emergency because people were paying into all of these zero emission funds, but there was no way to actually distribute the money. So what we were told was that we had one week to write this document, and we had 12 researchers from 11 different countries, and none of them had met each other. The problem that was presented to us was presented in a way like you only have a week. 
the problem wasn't that we had a week. The problem was that they were all scientists. (laughs) So see if you can't find the simile here or the relationship here to coding. If you give a scientist, especially a social scientist, a typewriter or a keyboard and tell them to write, they will write everything in their head mm. because their, their definition of perfection mm. is telling you everything I know. So what we did was there were 12 sections to this report, 12 researchers. We ran around the table and closed every other laptop and we made them pair write arbitrarily oh. just by how they were sitting. Oh, interesting and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Every 20 minutes, I'm going to interrupt you. And from a scale of 1 to 10, you're going to tell me how far along you are on your outline. From a scale of 1 to 10, you're going to tell me how far along you are on your text. And you're going to ask, to tell me if you have any questions for any of the other experts around the room. And every 20 minutes, I interrupted them and I asked them, you know, how far along are you? And they would shout out their numbers and they would go something like one, three, five, seven, four. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would get all excited because they were like scientists <laughs> and they knew that they were learning. They, were, they didn't feel like it was a setback. Ah. But they also started asking each other questions. And slowly but surely throughout the first or second day, they would ask each other questions without me prompting them. And then by the third day, I didn't have to interrupt them at all because they all had Google Docs open. They all had each other's parts open and they were just talking and writing and they were basically mob writing this entire document. At the beginning, they were like, they wanted to axe murder me because I had closed their laptops, right? Uh, But but in the end, we finished about 90% of the document. They had to like polish up some stuff in the end and go fact check some things. but, But the document was about done. And the problem was never that we didn't have enough time. The problem was the definition of perfection, the product delivery specification was never clear. Therefore, the individual professionals were going to say everything that they possibly could. Mm. And so when you're building any system, this is where the collaborative management book comes in, we like to look at, you know, what is your deadline and acknowledge that deadlines actually exist and don't, don't try and hide from them. But to say, no, really, like the deadline exists and we at the beginning are going to have to figure out what is complex in this system. And then we are going to figure out, do we have the resources and the wherewithal to to eliminate or reduce that complexity? Just eliminate (laughs) and reduce the complexity. Okay. Uh, The the complexity of the, the problem they're solving or the... Or the way they work together? Everything. Oh, okay. Let's take the other example, which is similar but different. 23 researchers working as an adjuncts to the UN Development Program 
to write the Human Development Report in 2010 in Vietnam. They were a distributed team. They were located all over Vietnam and two of them were outside the country. Every so often we could bring them all to Hanoi, but by and large they were fully distributed. Also largely unknown to each other at the beginning of the project. So what we said was, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna again use Google Docs and you are going to every morning before you write your section, again, 23 people, 23, 23 sections. Before you write your section, you need to open up someone else's section that you haven't looked at and comment on it. The problem with a human development report is that they usually bring in 23 subject matter experts who don't talk to each other and it ends up becoming a compendium of 23 separate reports that contain all sorts of contradictions, differences of opinion, 23 different voices, various degrees of quality and fact-checking, sometimes even outward hostility to the needs of other chapters of the report. In this case, what I wanted to come out of this was in the end, if you, there would be one consistent voice throughout the report and that regardless of what page you opened it up to, let's say you opened it up so there's like a water quality section and a women's issues section and access to healthcare section, transportation, primary education, secondary education, tertiary education, economic development, environment, uh, and, and on and on and on. So what I wanted to say is, you know, when you opened up the economic development section, it didn't just say, hey, here's all the buildable land, come build your new Honda plant here. But it would say something like, in order to locate a Honda plant, you need to have good tertiary education and secondary education and primary education and early, early childhood development programs, and you need to have access to potable water. <laughs> and so what ended up happening throughout the course of that document is the researchers were extremely excited to work together. They were, they formed tight relationships and they ended up having very long conversations with each other about what they did. And they learned as professionals, they grew as professionals, and they had disagreements and they had difficulty figuring out how to write certain things because there were different opinions, but those opinions were known and the complexity represented by the differing opinions ended up being an asset, not a liability. Right. So getting groups of people to work together. I like it. I like uh, how you come at it. It seems what seems to emerge is the mob uh, uh, writing style or mob collaboration. So I guess you started with strangers and you're creating a family or, or something like that at the end. Mm -hmm. Was that always the intent when you started out with in both of those cases? Did you know it was going to converge to that or did that or could there be other final states? The challenges in both of them because when we were given the original budget for the Vietnam project, they were said that basically it was with a warning. It was, you can only have this money, you can't have any more money, don't come back for more money, this is your money. 
<laughs> do you understand what I'm saying to you? And I was looking at the budget going, how in the hell am I going to spend all this money? <laughs> and, and the reason was because from the beginning, I knew that I wasn't going to be doing a lot of rework. Oh. And so software development, document creation, everything in the world suffers from this, I hate to use this term now, but this plague of rework. And after William and I, William Rowden and I closed Great Hill Solutions, I'm sure this is the same way for him. I was stunned at how crappy people build software. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it blew me away because I thought everybody did what we did. And at, at Greyhill, we literally built in 2005, we built enterprise scale, highly networked software, the next generation traffic management software that is now largely driving all of the traffic management in North America. We built that system with almost no defects, with a handful of people, like 13 people at one point. But we did that because we didn't rush anything. We made every decision that we made with the client in real time. Mm. So our client came to every stand-up meeting and they made every decision with us. Okay. Our client had whatever framework, I can't remember what we were using at the time, it was a million years ago, but we were doing 10-minute check-ins. So at any point in time, they could hit the build button and they could get a build up to nine minutes and 59 seconds ago. If Alan or Riley or Liu checked in something and it broke the build and it make that breaking glass sound across North America, yeah. then they would be on Skype almost immediately, like teasing Alan. Ha ha, Alan broke the build. <laughs> but, but I go into places now that have like hundreds of people to build stuff less complex than what we built with a handful of people. Yeah. And it's simply because we had no tolerance for people, you know, locking themselves in a corner and typing. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, you've had many conversations with William uh, that this is just something that we did because as transportation engineers, that's how we worked. Agile Thoughts wants your help. However you find our show, be it through iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregation systems, go ahead and leave us a review. Click some stars, and that will help us grow the show. Thank you. If you're listening to the show on a podcast player, open up that baby and look at the show notes. If you don't have a podcast player and you downloaded this from a 
computer, go back to the website where you downloaded this MP3, and that webpage contains cool notes like links to Jim's work on Amazon and links to Jim's company and his courses. This is the second series with Jim Benson. If you missed the first series and you want to hear Jim talk about some working remote during COVID times office tips, go to your favorite search engine and type in Lancer Agile Thoughts Jim Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N. Next episode, more Jim Benson. He and I were working on something and we kept standing up to look over the cubicle wall, like maybe 25 times a day. Yeah. So finally one day we were just like, screw this. And we took the walls out from between our two cubicles. Yeah. And then we're like, oh shit, we've got lots of space. Yeah.